Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. episode and today I'm so excited. I think he is the youngest guest I have had on. Well, definitely the youngest guest I've had on so far. I have the pleasure of welcoming to Get Happy with Jay, Nathaniel Prather. He's a sophomore at Indiana University Kelly School of Business, but even more impressive are his philanthropic endeavors, which we are about to discuss in detail because I think listening to him and his heart for doing good for people. It's definitely going to inspire all of us to step up because truth is each and every one of us could be doing a little bit more. Welcome, Nathaniel. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I am pumped to have you here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like how old are you, first of all? Absolutely. My name is Nathaniel Prather. I'm 19 years old. I was born and raised in central Illinois, raised by a single mother. I have a younger brother. And there's always been an emphasis of service in my life, sprouting mostly from my mom and my faith background. And as I've grown and gone on to college out in Indiana, I've continued to kind of follow that passion and try to empower as many people as I can in any any way I can. You are so young to be doing everything that you've done. And I can't wait to dive into it a little bit more. But where you've said that you have a wonderful mother, which in full disclosure, I know her personally. She's a colleague and she's just a joy to be around herself. So that she has these two wonderful, amazing sons is absolutely no surprise to me. So definitely kudos to your mother Lisa beautiful woman but is that where this heart of benevolence comes from what has driven you to do all that you do for others because you really go above and beyond the call well thank you very much I feel very blessed to hear somebody like you say that I definitely say my mother has been the most impactful person in my life Uh, Mm -hmm. she constantly was selfless growing up and she raised my brother and I in the church And Mm -hmm. I would say that my Christian faith is the most foundational aspect of my life and probably the primary driver Mm -hmm. in everything that I do. And my mom was definitely a strong reflection of Christ in my life, always willing to give up time for herself to do something to better, not only her sons, but her community. And that was definitely inspiring to me, as well as following different like um, faith leaders and having coaches in athletics. I was a three-sport athlete in high school Mm -hmm. and different things like that. Just created a good foundation to really go out and believe you can make a difference and encourage others to believe they can do the same. And I'm going to like toot your horn for you a little bit. I need to really emphasize to people that you are an extra special student. You have just not only been a stellar athlete, 
but pretty much a straight-A student through school, just such a hard worker. And that in and of itself can be so challenging and take up so much of your time. And especially now that you are, you know, at the collegiate level, you're in college, goodness, and Kelly School of Business, how impressive is that? So, but in addition to all the studying that you have to do and the time that that consumes through high school and now through college for you to take all this additional time that you don't have to for these other special endeavors. That is amazing. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, one of the things that I definitely was not a stellar athlete, <laughs> but I, I like to think I did all right. And I've transitioned yeah. that into a career of coaching at, yeah. in Indiana. And that's another very exciting thing from the mentoring aspect. So I really appreciate that opportunity. Tell me about your first um, kind of dip into this world of helping others. When did that first start for you? And what were some of the very first things that you did? Yeah, I can think of probably two moments in my life that were very foundational when it comes to Mm -hmm. service. Um, My mom works at the Center for Prevention of Abuse. So growing up on Saturdays, we would not every Saturday, but fairly often we would come and help her do different things or um, encourage friends to come and walk with us in parades, just raise awareness for victims of abuse and starting to break that type of cycle. So I think a lot of it started by just like serving alongside my mom in Mm -hmm. her in her nonprofit endeavors. And then when I was in third grade, I had a, there was a student, I went to a small school, we had probably 150 kids, students from kindergarten through eighth grade. And there was a student named Zach Allen. And he was more than just student council vice president. Uh, He was the kid that everybody knew and everybody just enjoyed. He was a positive role model for me as a third grader, you know, somebody to look Mm -hmm. up to. And he was a St. Jude cancer patient. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, he lost his battle with cancer in May 2006. And then I remember going with my mom, actually, to his funeral and walking out of the doors and remembering specifically that, you know, God has called me to make a difference in this and that I was there was no way I was going to let Zach die in vain. And his legacy has lived on not only through me, but just so many people that he's inspired um, mm-hmm. to do things like the St. Jude run and different philanthropic endeavors to empower and encourage um, juvenile cancer patients. And so the mm-hmm. minute I stepped foot on campus at college, I looked back to that moment and I've since become the director of finance and grant writing for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital organization there as well. And I can look back on uh, Zach Allen and the impact that he had on my life in just a few short years and remember that that's hopefully something I can do with others. That is incredible that he, you know, had a short lived life, but beyond death that he's still making an impact on someone's life like you and and that you're paying it forward to others. That's a testament to just how special he was. Absolutely, for sure. And see, I didn't even know, because your mom is always bragging about you. So <laughs> I thought I knew everything. I didn't even realize that you were doing that in addition <laughs> to everything else. You're also actively um, involved in your church, which is, I understand, very close to campus. I am, yes. I'm, I'm very blessed to, at Indiana University, we have, I go to a Lutheran church that's essentially next to campus. Mm -hmm. And I came there in August of last year. So, um, well, I guess 
not really last year, August of 2016. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know a soul. Nobody from within 45 mile radius of here Mm -hmm. went on to Indiana. So I was a timid freshman and I walked into the church and everything because I knew that that was like my root in life is just having that faith and that connection. So I wanted to kind of build my my friend group around that per se and it kind of had that foundation that reminded me of home and so from then on I was really blessed with amazing opportunities and actually in September of 2016 I was installed as the evangelism deacon at the church there and from then on I've served in that capacity I still do today and I'm also the president of the Lutheran Student Fellowship student organization on campus just mostly trying to push Christ's love through service to other mm-hmm. people and share that hope. And again, you are outshining <laughs> me because unlike you, um, well, I did have a faith base growing up. My grandmother raised me up in church, but uh, I got kind of wayward when I got to college. So it's nice to hear that every parent doesn't have to worry about their kid going to college and going crazy that sometimes it does happen but uh, if the good roots are there they're gonna stick so that's good (laughs) to know and you were very wise in how carefully you chose your circle Uh, that is so important that's something that we've discussed several times here on the podcast that the people that you have around you that are influencing you it makes a difference in your life and you need to be really thoughtful in those choices. So kudos to that. Also, you are involved in a great organization called Generosity Feeds. Let's talk about that. Go back from the beginning about how you became aware of this um, this organization, this endeavor, and then how you became a part of it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Generosity Feeds, for context, is a national for-purpose organization, nonprofit, however you want to classify it. Mm -hmm. And they travel around the country hosting meal packing events where they create nutritious rice that consists, nutritious meal that consists of beans, rice, vegetable blend, meat-based broth, and roux. And then every meal that they pack, they leave in the community that it's packaged in. So Mm -hmm. they'll unite volunteers to come around for a day of community and put together these meals and then distribute them in backpack programs in a local school to encourage students and inspire them to, you know, be able to chase their dreams. My junior year of high school, there was a Generosity Feeds event in Peoria, which I heard about on the radio, actually. I went, attended it alongside my mom, again, steadily there, always making a difference. And I just fell in love with the process, with the activity of just spending two hours listening to music, building relationships with new people, and serving alongside them, really. So then when I came to college, I, as I mentioned, I was installed as the evangelism deacon in September of 2016. In October of 2016, I proposed to the board. I was like, and this is a small congregation on a good, on a good Sunday, we have 35 people there. That is small. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I said, I got this crazy idea. I want to create a meal packing event where we make 10,000 of these bean and rice meals and bring together 300 volunteers to serve in this mission in one day. And everybody immediately got silent. There was the deer in the headlights kind of look. Because <laughs> that sounds <laughs> and, intimidating. It is. Yes, absolutely. And in context, they only knew me for two months. So then after talking with them for a while, by the grace of God, I they gave me the opportunity after I said, if I do all the work, do you think we can do it? <laughs> and and they said, I guess, sure. So 
from then on, God just really blessed the opportunity that I had. And I spent two to three hours a day from October to April of last year, just cold calling businesses in the Bloomington, Indiana community. Mm -hmm. I'd found out that 36% of children in Monroe County, um, Indiana, suffer from food insecurity, which is defined as not knowing where their next meal is coming from or if it'll come at all. Isn't that tragic as blessed overall as this country is to know that there are significant amounts of people in every community that are hungry? It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. A lot of people think that hunger is some far off uh, plague that only harms, you know, people in in third world developing countries, but it's actually a problem right here at home. The national average is actually one in five children who suffer from food insecurity right here in America. So Monroe County's slightly higher than that, but it's just another example of it being almost constant. I believe that in Peoria County, the statistics are are in around the 80% range, which is pretty incredible. 80%. And that's defined based on the number of students enrolled in free and reduced lunch programs. Mm-hmm. And what what a burden on a child. Can mm-hmm. you imagine? I mean, I grew up poor, but there's different levels of poverty. Mm-hmm. And I can say I never, ever missed a meal. And to know that there are kids that in addition to have to study and all the other pressures that come with childhood to not have food to eat. Wow. Absolutely. And it's a big it's a big worry that kind of prevents them from doing the studying that you that you mentioned when you're sitting in class and you're worried about hunger pangs in your stomach or if you're going to eat over the weekend then it's a lot harder to focus on math reading and everything else that is so and you're not you're not physically getting the nutrition that you need the vitamins and the nutrients from the food that's not there either so of course that's going to affect you academically Mm -hmm. how can you think when you're not when you're hungry absolutely and beyond just the studying part, I've talked to multiple teachers who have told me that sometimes the free and reduced lunch that these students receive might be the only meal they get during the day. So I've talked to teachers who have told me that on Friday afternoons after lunch, some of their students will be a little bit more rambunctious. And when they come back Monday morning, it's the same story until lunch. And so Mm -hmm. then you ask the question and these teachers have asked the question to their students and it's been, well, I don't know if I was going to eat this weekend when I go home, which is crazy to think about. And so then when they come back on month, so Friday, they're scared that they're not going to be able to eat. Monday, they come back because maybe they haven't eaten or they've eaten very little over the Mm -hmm. weekend. And so generosity fees is really a way to bridge the gap for that. And through through the grace of God, I was able to kind of share that vision with people in the Bloomington community. And last year in April, we brought together um, over 250 volunteers and we packaged 10,000 meals that were distributed in 22 schools right there in the community to inspire hope. And it's oh, amazing. Absolutely. It's it's really awe inspiring to see the way that God used that situation. So when students go to recess oh, um, at the elementary school level, then teachers will slide this bean and meal back backpack meal into their backpacks while they're at recess so they don't have to be called out in class or anything. And at the high school level, students on Fridays will come and pick it up at the counselor's office. So it really, not only, it's so much more than beans and rice because it's not just let's give these students an opportunity to have that food they need to focus on getting education. Mm -hmm. But it shows that in some of these situations, there may not be as much of a stable home life. And it shows that somebody who may not have ever known them Mm -hmm. took the time to 
believe in them and show them love through this meal. And that's really very encouraging in and of itself. And that's something that we can see from each of our volunteers, just feeling that they made a tangible impact. Yeah, because, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because these kids that are hungry, uh, the reasons why that they're hungry are so complicated and and not having food might just be one problem of many a compounded mm-hmm. issue where a parent is absent or uh, god forbid uh, the parents have substance use issues or mm-hmm. other kind of abuse that's going on so you a lot of times the hunger is not just because of a financial issue but that there's other things going on in that home so for you to just lift even that part of the burden off of them is a blessing Absolutely. I think that that's very true. And unfortunately, a lot of these problems become cyclical. Yes. And when you're stuck in a cycle of poverty, it's really hard to pull yourself out. There are a few different ways. You could win the lottery, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one in a billion chance. Right. But more often, it's believing in yourself and getting the education you need to rise above. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm sharing the vision of Generosity Feeds, I talk about how if we can give these kids in 22 schools in Monroe County, but in any school around the country where we facilitate events, Mm -hmm. if these kids can receive that meal, have food over the weekend, stay full and focused and be able to focus on their studies, they may also be inspired to take a chance and Mm -hmm. take that chance and fill out an application to go to college or to a vocational school and take that opportunity to just better themselves and then eventually their communities. Because at the root of it, I believe that every person has the potential to be a leader. And that potential can't truly be unlocked if you're worried about your next meal. So if you if we take away that burden from them, we're able to, it just goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If we can Mm -hmm. fulfill their food need, then the possibilities are endless. And I think that a lot of times that's something that starts and volunteers who just spend two hours of their time can see that lasting impact. I like to use kind of the tagline, stop hunger, start hope through Mm -hmm. this event. And that's exactly what I think we're doing. You are absolutely doing that. Now, I know you have an event coming up in April um, that we'll talk about, but talk to people about how they can get involved even now. Oh, absolutely. Um, As far as our event specifically, so I hosted an event in April 2017 that we created 10,000 meals. And on April 7th, 2018, we're planning on hosting another event to unite 300 volunteers from the Monroe County area and bring them together and just do it again. We actually have a goal of reaching more than 10,000 meals this year to Mm -hmm. still go in 22 schools. And I'm in talks to possibly make it 24. But all of our event information is on HoosiersAgainstHunger.org. So Indiana, you're called a Hoosier. So (laughs) by... By going to HoosiersAgainstHunger.org, people can sign up to volunteer for two hours. They could also donate. Each meal costs only $1. So it takes $1 to truly make a lasting impact on a child's life if you can't be there. But on a more local level, it's just kind of identifying the needs that the needs that are there and seeing how you can serve, whether it's serving at your local Salvation Army or at a food bank, something like that. Going into a school and just simply asking, what are your needs? Is there any way mm-hmm. that I can help serve them? And that's kind of not only through the Generosity Feeds feeds event and through the model. I didn't 
after creating the meals, I didn't want to go through and knock on all these individual schools' doors and try to tell them what they needed. Instead, Mm -hmm. I partnered with two local food banks who already had established backpack programs in the community Mm -hmm. and kind of empowered them. I think a lot of it is so many times we come in thinking that we have the right answer, but there are people and processes who have been there before. So if we can just they work them. it. They know it. They know the population, so they know exactly what the specific needs are. Exactly. That mm-hmm. is absolutely true. That's incredible. And that's good to know that many people who don't have a lot of money, you don't have to have money to help and give back. Mm. Your time, I think, is even more valuable because, like, I'm crazy busy. So for me, mm. sometimes it's easier to just write a check. Mm. But I think it's even more special when you can kind of get your hands dirty, so to speak, when you get out there and you meet people and you get outside your little bubble and you see what's really going on. It, it's eye-opening and then it's so rewarding because um, in my service today, there was someone because our church has just restarted a missions, a four missions program and um, she was saying when she's been on foreign missions it's like you go to be a blessing to others but really the people that you help end up being a blessing to you because it's just amazing that the people that are in these extreme poverty situations whether it's here or abroad a lot of these people just have this joy that's infectious even in their circumstance so that's a joy too that not only are you helping someone else but whatever you do you're going to be getting something back too absolutely i think that is is extremely true i can think of so many moments of people who i thought i may have been serving but i ended up being served by them i in 2016 was blessed to go to a youth gathering in new orleans and i think this is a moment i'm going to remember for my entire life we were talking about what it means to be like an echo of christ and in new orleans there's a lot of people still still displaced from hurricane katrina which is incredible yeah more than 10 years later Mm -hmm. that we're still seeing that but So there's a lot of homelessness. And so we went to the local grocery store down there and just grabbed some granola bars and bananas. And I had these little plastic crosses and we're going around and I just would approach people sitting on the side and start praying with them. There's this one man named William who I saw him two times during my week there and he was just so happy and full of life. And Mm -hmm. he was telling me about how sometimes the money that he receives, he'll give it to somebody else if he sees them in need. And I actually, at the end of the trip, I gave him my remaining crosses and told him he could be my missionary at uh, Jackson Square down in (laughs) New Orleans. And Uh he just, he was so inspiring and to see people like that in those situations rise above it is amazing and I think not only through it is so much more than a check like you said it's making Mm -hmm. that that time of service that sacrifice could mean so much more to somebody else and yes even even just dreaming big I think was something one of the coolest outcomes of generosity feeds 2017 was that post event there's a high school teacher in Monroe County who came and served at the event and she approached me afterwards and said Nathaniel wow and I was like I was like that was pretty cool right and she's Mm -hmm. like yeah and I and she's like for the last six months I've been tossing around this idea of starting a mentoring program in bachelor middle school here in town because she had done some field work there for a master's program Mm -hmm. but everybody I've talked to for the last six months said it's too big we can't do it and she just paused and she said but then I came to this and 
this was big and we did it. So I thought maybe we can do it. And from there on, uh, she and I sat down and we kind of cast a vision and drew out a curriculum. And we started, the marketing guy in me wanted to make it alliterative. So we started a, a mentoring program called Foundational Friendships in this middle school, where every Friday, myself and a team of mentors go in and talk to students about different foundational values like empathy, respect, service, Mm -hmm. and just really like be there to through the ups and the downs of life, but also to connect them vertically between the mentors, like between us as mentors and them themselves, but also horizontally amongst each other. We create a kind of foundational family. So the other four days of the week when we're gone, they have somebody to connect with. And that's been so cool because I know for a fact that some of the students in that program have received the Generosity Feeds meals. And I would never, ever tell them that I was somehow involved in that but Mm -hmm. it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs now that we've serviced their their need for food we can service their emotional needs and Mm -hmm. these students have been so opened up and just inspiring really I've learned a lot from them and to see that just something as little as that can make a difference in their life is spending an hour an hour a week with them really can transform a life you cannot emphasize enough how important that is. That person, that mentor person, could be the only individual that has taken any one-on-one time with them within that whole week period or whatever. And just to take that time out, to look them in the eye, that tells them, you matter, you're important, you're mm-hmm. special. And it's just so important for every child to be able to have that in someone. So mentoring is just incredible. Absolutely. It's, it's been an incredible blessing in my life. And to see the way that it all stemmed from the way God had started Generosity Feeds, because then it inspired, like my big idea had inspired somebody else to have a big idea. And if that's mm-hmm. what we can do through events like this, of we're inspiring thousands of kids who are receiving these meals. But if we can inspire two or three of the 300 volunteers to go out and make a difference yeah, in their community, mm-hmm. then, the, then it's just a ripple effect. And we can start making positive change all the way throughout because you can, and I, it can start with beans and rice and people laugh beans and rice. Chipotle made billions on beans and rice. But Absolutely. it can start with that. And it can transform a local economy, a local community, and the outlook on life for so many individuals. Mm -hmm. I've gotten stories and feedback from these different kids, especially in foundational friendships, but other students who have received the meals who have just been so empowered and encouraged by that. And it's just, it's truly, truly amazing. After the Generosity Feeds 2017 event, their Generosity Feeds National Vice President of Operations took me out to dinner. He was, he facilitated our event. So at every event, Generosity Feed sends a staff member who directs and leads the 300 volunteers. Beans go here, rice go here. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what do you think about feeding hungry kids with me around the country? And I thought, (laughs) absolutely, you know that for sure. (laughs) So I've been extremely blessed in that situation to now... I still host my event in Bloomington, but at most once a month, but I've done five events so far where I've actually been an event facilitator. So I'll go to Mm -hmm. Milwaukee or I'll go to Virginia or I'll go anywhere else that an event is being held and I'll build relationships with those volunteers there and see that we can leave a lasting impact on a community that Mm -hmm. will just start. And then there's one organization that I, that was a host that I facilitated their event and I'm on the docket to facilitate another event they have coming up here in a few months. And just to hear the stories that they they have to follow up on, to hear what they've gotten 
out of that what their people, their volunteers have been encouraged from and the ways that students in their community have really been able to chase their dreams. How do you do it? That's my next question. (laughs) Because people need to realize how demanding your school program is, your education is at IU. How do you even have the time to do all this? I'm tired listening to it. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And not just because I'm old. (laughs) How do you do that? That has to be the most incredible time management ever. That is very flattering. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know. I think when you have a passion for something, it's very important. I remember I had a teacher in high school my freshman year who he was talking with people. I've always loved being busy, just doing a lot, doing anything and everything I could. Like in high school, I started a club called Girl Up to encourage and empower women in the developing world and started different organizations here and there, different things of just trying to always encourage somebody else and empower somebody else. And he had said, he had said to me, it's a very cliche quote, but I think it's extremely true. He said, you make time for things in life that are important to you. That's true. And I believe what you make time for says a lot about you as a person. Absolutely. (laughs) That's something to think about as well. I, I completely agree. And that is probably something, I guess, time management wise that I try to incorporate. I just think, you know, Five years from now, and I am I going to remember about the nuts and bolts of calculus or something like that? Or am I going to remember mm-hmm. about the relationships that I was able to make and the difference that I was able to have? It's really easy, especially in a college town, to go and be a tourist for four years. Mm-hmm. But when you can take the time and make a lasting impact in your community, regardless of how long you're there for, that's when it's really the most gratifying. So I've been very blessed to just kind of make sure that before I go to bed every night, I've got everything done. I can feel like I did as much as I could with the 24 hours I was given that day. Because mm-hmm. in the end, we're stewards of what God gives us, whether it's our resources, and you know, financially or socially, anything like that. But most importantly, time, I think. It's the only thing we can never get more of. Mm-hmm. You can't get refunds on it. So how, how do you want to spend it? And that's that's kind of the question that I ask myself when I approach different things. And by the grace of God, he's, he's carried me through there. Definitely demands of school. I'm extremely blessed to uh, attend the Kelly School of Business, like you mentioned, which has just been recently ranked the number one public business school in the country. And that can be rigorous at times, but just having that that long-term outlook on what we're doing is really Mm -hmm. very important. And having, you said, the people around you, I have kind of like a personal board of directors. I don't tell them they're my board of directors because that might inflate their (laughs) egos. Informally. Right. (laughs) But I can think I, this year, I was really blessed to coach at a separate junior high school in town, coach a seventh grade girls basketball team. And I learned so much from those girls. And just, we just ended our season last week and, the the things that they taught me about life and positivity and just kind of the carefreeness of seventh grade. Yeah. <laughs> kind of approaching every every day with that kind of just like vigor for life. And the person I coached alongside, he's kind of one of my I would consider somebody who we hold each other accountable and he will always encourage me to just follow through on whatever I start on. And I think it's very important to have people like that who not only encourage you to do what you say, but to let you believe you can do anything. Mm-hmm. 
Amazing. Well, neither of us have a crystal ball and we really <laughs> can't foretell the future. That's probably a good thing. But what are your goals at this point? What is Nathaniel going to possibly be up to in five, 10 years from now? What's that looking like for you in your mind's eye at the moment? <laughs> well, that's thank you. That's very, very um, exciting to think about the future. I think I have to approach every day with hope that everything's going to be as good as it possibly can be mm-hmm. and then put in the work to realize that. And dream job, I would love to work in corporate social responsibility, which is basically the idea of a big business giving back to the community and using that to grow their own business as well. So like the Johnson & Johnson Donate a Photo app is just a prime example, an easy example of that. They You get you can download this app on your phone. I would highly encourage everybody to do it. And you just take a picture and you can take up to one picture a day and then they'll donate a dollar to the charity of your choice. Wow. And so you feel empowered as the giver. But then on the business side, Johnson Johnson is able to engage their customers on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. They're able to better the communities around them to really, you know, make a lasting impact, but also show their community that they care. And I think that as we move into, we obviously live in a consumer driven culture. Mm -hmm. And so if we can move, when we move into the place where a consumer maybe goes to their local pharmacy and they see the generic brand band-aids and they see the Johnson Johnson brand band-aids, maybe they think, oh, I'll, I'll spend the extra 40 cents to get the Band-Aid brand because I know that Johnson & Johnson cares about yeah, my community. they're going to do something with that. And it's always to remember that to whom much is given, much is required. Absolutely. Yes. And that's, on a very small scale, that's kind of what I talk about with Generosity Feeds with corporate donors. As I mentioned before, each meal is a dollar. So I have to go out and try to talk to community partners, which is amazing because it doesn't make any sense that last year as an 18-year-old kid from out of state or this year as a 19-year-old as a mm-hmm. 19-year-old kid from out of state that I could pull off an event like that. And it's because I didn't. It's because God did. Mm-hmm. And he encouraged me to share that vision of, you know, you've been a foundational part of this community for so long what do you what do you see the needs and how are you going to attack them and so big picture goal i would love to work for a company like johnson and johnson or eli lilly who says hey we've got three million dollars go figure out how to make the world a better place and then just travel well, they couldn't pick a better person <laughs> <laughs> so i hope someone out there hears this <laughs> thank you that means a lot coming from you but i would love to just go out and build relationships with nonprofits um, internationally, nationally, and just at the local level, figure out how we can empower them and then use that in a way to kind of showcase the way that a business cares and kind of grow their brand um, mm-hmm. as well. So that's the I'm, – I'm trying to find – as a passionate business student, the way that we can blur the lines between for-profit business and for-purpose or nonprofit work. And that I, th- I think a career in corporate social responsibility is the perfect intersection between that. It's not an entry-level job, but that might be 10 years down the road instead mm-hmm. of five. <laughs> well, with a drive that you have, I think you're probably going to skip entry-level very quickly. <laughs> you're like a rising star in that uh, growing industry. So I'm quite sure <laughs> sure you'll have no problem in that. Thank you so much for spending time with us on this podcast. And I appreciate it even more.
more sitting here listening to how busy your time <laughs> is. So for you to take this time with me, um, that's precious while you're here for such a short time here locally before you go back to school. So thank you so much for that. And uh, for our listeners, I hope you heard all the wonderful ways that you can help. You're going to be able to see some of this information I'm going to list on the website. So if you miss anything in the podcast, go to the website, get happy with Jay.com. And I'm going to relist all the wonderful uh, organizations and ways to help that Nathaniel has so graciously shared with us during this podcast. So thank you for all that you do. And it's just a reminder that when I say get happy, part of being happy and being a well-rounded person is when you are able to help other people. And that brings you joy and happiness as well. So within this next week, as I always say, do something that's going to make yourself happy. And as we've learned from Nathaniel, that includes helping others. So it's not selfish, it's self-care. Until next time, bye-bye.